Has the lack of money, economic status, or background stopped you from going after your dreams? If so, you need to meet Joanny in three, two, one. Let's go! Yes, you are here. Bienvenida to the Her Dinero Matters podcast, a mixed language podcast hosted by me, Jen Hemphill, to help you become the reign of your money and love your dinero more. If you are needing some inspiration and encouragement at this very moment, you have come to the right place. Gracias por compartir este tiempo conmigo. Now let's jump in to today's dose of money confidence. Bienvenida, Joanny. I am thrilled to have you here. You have such a unique niche that I am ready to learn more about. So welcome. Gracias. Thank you so much for having me. Well, we always start here on the podcast with our money story. So take us back in time to maybe when you were a little girl and tell us a little bit about your upbringing and maybe something that you saw, you experienced that really impacted you to this day when it comes to money. Yeah, that's a great way to take me back. Like I remember growing up in the Bronx, I immigrated in the 90s. My mom brought me here from Dominican Republic and she raised me as a single mother. And although every single Christmas I had the arbolito full of gifts from me, throughout the year, she would always limit everything that I wanted. So like we would go out to the mall and she would have to shop for, you know, certain things for me that were really necessary, like underwear and socks and things like that. But anything that I wanted that was extra, she would say, you know, Whenever you get a job and you work, you will get to buy whatever you want, anything that you wanted, have a cell phone, things like that. At the time, I was like, oh, you know, a teenager that felt very limited. But I now understand that she was saving money. She was stacking it up and that her plan all along was to build something that could be passed down to me, to my brother, and to our kids and our and my grandkids. So for me, it's remembering like I couldn't do my eyebrows when I was 15 years old because she was like, oh, that's not a necessity. You can wait until you get a job, you work, and then you do your eyebrows. Same thing for having a cell phone. Everyone had a sidekick except me, <laughs> things like that. But now that I see it, I actually think that I would raise my kids the same way. I never, I'm 31 years old and I still don't, never had my first car because my mom, even though she can buy me a car, she'd rather me earn it, right? Rather I buy it with my own dinero, go mi sacrificio. And I really appreciate that. Oh my goodness. I love your mom already. Cuando la voy a conocer? (laughs) I need to meet her. She did so good. And tell us, so basically from what I'm understanding and from what I'm hearing you say, Christmas was like the abundant, was like the fun stuff, not necessarily the necessities, but it was the stuff that maybe you wanted. And the remainder of the year was like, okay, it's only what you need, only the necessities, because she was behind closed doors, saving up that money for the future. 
Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. Like I said, I love your mom already. Now tell us a little more in terms of, as I mentioned earlier, I love your niche. You help small business owners that want to go into the restaurant business. So tell us how did you get into the restaurant business and why the restaurant business? Why did you choose that? Mm -hmm. Well, I was working at McDonald's. That was one of my first jobs after I had been a peer educator in high school. I went to get my real job at 17 years old in McDonald's. And, you know, I was free to buy whatever I want at that time. (laughs) A laptop, a cell phone, do my eyebrows. But (laughs) four years into it, I was a McDonald's manager. I wasn't a cashier anymore. And my mom had come to me and asked me, hey, can you do some research and see what is the process to buy a McDonald's franchise? Um, It really took me by surprise because I knew, you know, to buy a McDonald's franchise, you have to have a lot of money. So I already felt like, wow, she's done an amazing job that she's willing to make such a bold move. But when I went ahead and uh, we got the requirements, we found out that not only she had to have half a million dollars saved, but she also had to have a business running for two years under her name. And that was a blessing in disguise because that meant, okay, now we have to do that first. And so we went ahead and we opened an independent restaurant ourselves. The why a restaurant was because my stepfather was a server and a bartender for 20 years. Um, And my mom had went back to school at that time to Baruch College to study business administration and accounting. And I was working at McDonald's. And so her connection was like, okay, so Joanne already has the experience in McDonald's what it takes to run, you know, a store and things like that. She had also the education and my stepfather was like the social person that knew how a bar works or service works in a restaurant. And we would always go out as a family to eat out, to see live music, to experience that. And we wanted to recreate that in our own way. And so that's why we got into the restaurant business. This is such a beautiful story. I'm telling you, your mom, I mean, I'm not kidding you. Like, (laughs) I have to meet this person, even if it's virtually at the moment. She sounds like a visionary, right? And like you said, she's bold and she's looking at, well, Joanny, ella sabe de esto. Mi esposo sabe del otro and putting the dots together. And this is what we can do. Oh, my goodness. I see it. (laughs) Me encanta, me encanta. Now tell us, because then how this initiated was your mom was asking you to inquire about the McDonald's franchise. And you also mentioned that you have to have half a million dollars saved, which not a lot of people do. And in addition to that, you have to prove that you've been running a business for two years. So you started this business, this restaurant business. What happened next? Because I'm curious. I want to know it all. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, we looked for a space in the Bronx in a really nice area in Riverdale. And we started renovating it. My mom had put our childhood home in the DR as a guarantor to have some backup money as well just in case something went wrong. But as we were renovating that space, we would invite people in that were passing by 
just to say hi, to tell them what we were doing, the type of business we were opening, and to get their input, and actually to, to offer them some wine as well. We would, you know, invite them in and un poco de vino, una cervecita, and, and they felt really special. And that's how we made that connection in that neighborhood because we were new there. So we wanted to make sure that we were getting the input of the people. And once we opened that first location, we were full. Everyone was there at Ting Maring. And eight years later, you know, people still love it and have fallen in love with it, with our concept, our food, our service, our staff. Our staff, we are like a familia. We treat everyone like family. We go on vacation together. Uh, they were just all in one part in Mexico and one part in Costa Rica because we're renovating our dining area right now for the summer and for the spring. After that, every two years, we've been able to open a new space, a new restaurant. After that, we got into Tilila, which like it's like a blue house. la casita azul. Hay mecedora. Tú entra and there you feel like you're in, in your own country. It feels like a little blue house from the campo. <laughs> and people love it. We always have live bands there, live music. And then from there, we opened. Two years later after that, we opened Cañave, which is a Mexican cuisine restaurant inspired by Dominicans, which we are all Dominicans. <laughs> Before we continue, I have a brief message to share. Her Dinero Matters is supported by First Republic Bank. Now more than ever, First Republic's priority is serving their clients and communities. Their personalized banking solutions go deeper than a transaction. For over 30 years, First Republic has striven to leave a positive impact on the communities they serve. From presenting grants to nonprofits in need to going the extra mile to connect individuals experiencing hardship with fair loans. The bank is focused on doing the right thing. No matter what your financial goals are, your dedicated First Republic banker will be there to guide you every step of the way. Visit firstrepublic.com today to learn more. That's firstrepublic.com. Member FDIC equal housing lender. Oh my goodness. Now, what is the name of your restaurant? Because there's listeners in New York City right now. What is the name of your restaurant? And then I'm noting it down whenever I go to New York City. In the Bronx, we have Tingmaring Restaurant, which is in Riverdale. And the second one is Tilila Casa Publica y Cocina, which is on Bailey Avenue. And the most recent one is Cañave Cocina y Bar, which is Inwood, Manhattan by Dykeman. Now, I don't know. I have never run a restaurant business. I know when I was a little girl and in Colombia, my parents actually opened up. It was a restaurant slash bakery slash discoteca slash we lived in there too, like I'm not part of that. And it didn't go well. And I know there's a lot of moving pieces with a restaurant business in terms of keeping track and the finances and 
everything, the food and how much food to buy, and then estimating how many people are going to enter your restaurant. That's a lot of pressure. How have you done it all these years? What would you say, like if I were to have an interest in opening up a restaurant, that for me would keep me back. You really have to have a love for, I would think, food and hosting, right? Being around people and just hosting. So how have you done it, made it easy, or I I can't say maybe easy. I don't want to put words in your mouth, but how have you made it manageable being that it is such a, I think it's a complicated business to run. Yeah, it is. It is a very complex business to run. You do have to have like the love of doing it day by day because things are going to go wrong each day. There's something that you need to buy. There's something that all of a sudden sedanya, you know, like the margarita machine is not working. You need to get the person who can fix that. And all those things are expenses and they add up. And you have to know how much inventory of food you need. Especially right now during COVID, things are so different, right? So what we used to sell on a Friday night, you know, in 2019 or early 2020, it's not the same that we're selling now. So I think you, one of the things you have to do is really look at your data, at your sales And look at the dishes that are selling the most now. And if you have to reduce your menu, you reduce it because you don't want to be buying every single thing that you have on the menu. And right now you're only selling a few steaks, a few salmons, things like that. Another thing that we do is if something's not selling enough, we take it out of the menu and we just offer it on the weekend as a special. So, you know, here's a special. We have... Albondigas made by Mama. Like our grandmother makes these very delicious albondigas that people love. And we might have that, you know, Friday and Saturday night as a special as opposed to the whole week. So you learn things like that, you know, how to pivot, how to change it up. You need to have your staff trained properly. And my stepfather's always on top of whether a cocktail was made correctly, whether it tastes fresh, whether the food that's coming out of the kitchen, you know, looks presentable and is up to notch and whether people are getting, you know, the service really quickly and is their water full? Are they being served in a timely manner? Um, Another thing is also responding very timely to reviews that you might get on Yelp. Mm. within 24 to 48 hours, you always want to be attentive to what people are saying. If something went wrong, you want to reach out to the customer and make it up to them, things like that. Yeah. It's a lot. It's a lot to juggle. And this is something that you do coaching around for business owners. Now, I also want to ask, because you brought up COVID and I had written COVID earlier. I'm like, I need to ask her a question. For someone, for example, that has been wanting to open a restaurant business, but didn't. COVID hit. We're in a pandemic. This pandemic is not going away anytime soon. What are some pieces of advice that you would have for someone? Because some people around them may think, you're crazy. Why are you thinking about opening a restaurant business right now? Well, what are some pieces of advice for those that really want to open up a restaurant business to give them some either encouragement or just for them to do it wisely. Yeah. 
during COVID, I think the biggest advice is if you had this dream from a long time, you need to come up with a plan to see if it's feasible for you. And depending on the state that you're in, um, you need to look at what are the restrictions that restaurants currently have right now? What is your governor limiting them to? Some states are fully opened. I think Florida is one of them, right? And the weather is nice all year long. So you could have outdoor dining. If you were limited to outdoor dining only, you could make it in Florida, right? You could possibly open the restaurant that you always wanted to open. Just you need a plan to say, okay, so if what is going to be my delivery and takeout plan? How am I going to go into the community and make connections so that I am serving hospitals, clinics, catering, small events? Do I have a plan to send out emails and Google alerts and newsletters and coupons and just like have a plan also to Before we jump into today's content, keep your ears peeled for a unique reveal I'll be sharing midway through the show. It's something special just for you. Maybe go into business with someone else that you trust that can put a certain percentage of capital, I would say 40% or less of the capital that you need so that you have a backup plan of funds for slow times for difficult times that maybe you're not going to sell a lot and also have that in writing. So if you're going to go into business with someone else, with a partner, consult a lawyer so that every single thing is on a contract. Okay. So basically from what I'm hearing you, it's not necessarily that you need to pause on the plan of opening a business, but it's just really doing your research, doing your homework, having that plan, making sure you have the finances to back up when times are slow. And I love that because I know, of course, we know the pandemic is not going away anytime soon. So we shouldn't pause our plans. We just want to be smart about what we do, especially when we're wanting to venture into opening a business like a restaurant. I was going to say, and if you want to start small, you could do that. I'm helping a woman in This is all the way in South Africa, but in South Africa, they're very limited because of the pandemic. So what I did was I helped her raise capital to open a mobile kitchen. So it's essentially like a beautiful mobile kitchen, food truck, and she's very excited. And she's a founder of an orphanage over there. So I worked for her in person twice, um, 2015, 2016. And I'm very happy that she's going to be able to do that, sell food, cook food, and have that food security for her and and the kids and that income that she's going to make. So that could be an example, like not necessarily having a restaurant, but maybe a catering service. A lot of people are going into those type of businesses, a deli, a food truck, anything, or just a delivery takeout service. That is so beautiful. Now with restaurant businesses, what are some of the most common mistakes that you're seeing people make? That's a great question. So a few mistakes that I see people make are catering to young kids, college kids. So these are the types of restaurants or bars who serve $1 beers, $2 shots. And eventually you get a lot of kids bringing in illegal minors to drink and you end up getting in trouble. So that's one of them. 
Um, the second one that goes with that as well is those type of crowds that they're in it for the club scene. They're in it for they have hoodies and they are there just pop bottles, smoke hookah and all those things. Eventually, those type of businesses do have fights and your establishment is going to be really affected and you could have your liquor license taken away. And I've seen this even with family members who once opened a restaurant. They were in an area like that that was really, all the other restaurants around them was that kind of scene. So they felt like they had to be that way. They had to like have the popping bottles and the hookah and all of this. And eventually they had to close because they got in trouble. They had many fights and their liquor license was taken. And so I think that you should really think about who you want to cater to, what age. We always go for the 35 and above. Our restaurants are family-friendly. That doesn't mean that youth can't go in there. But, you know, the type of music that we play really is going to attract a certain population. And not having hookah and things like that really helps so that the people that come into our space aren't those type of people that cause trouble. Right. What I'm hearing you say here is that be in control of who you want in your restaurant. Basically with business, small business owners, there's always a lot of talk or what's important is really knowing who you want to serve your ideal client. And obviously it's the same in the restaurant business. Who do you want to serve and and think about who you want to serve and, and who you want to come in to your restaurant? Because of course that impacts the whole environment of everybody there. Right. And what would you say? I know we talked about your piece of advice you would share to someone who's thinking about opening a restaurant business during this time of the pandemic, but is there anything else you would just, pandemic aside, (laughs) any other piece of advice that you would like to share with someone that's just interested in becoming a restaurant owner? Yeah, I would say one of the first things is start making connections now. So even if you have this plan for, let's say, I'm seeing a lot of people say, you know, this is my dream. I want to open a restaurant, but I'm going to do it seven months from now. And that's a great decision because you don't have to do it exactly right now. I understand, you know, people want to wait a little bit more, but start making connections now. Go out and meet other people who are in the restaurant industry. So this is how you get to know bartenders that you you really might like someone in a bar that might be your head bartender at your restaurant or might be the person who will design the drinks. Um, Go out and eat and see if there's certain cuisines that you really like and you want to meet the chef, you want to talk to them, you want to just say, hey, you know, I have these plans. What do you recommend? This is the way you can start doing research now. Attend live events. So if there's a live band playing anywhere at a bar or restaurant, start going out and giving them your information, making those connections because That's how we have brought local artists to play at our restaurants and our people love that. It gets like this full, lleno de gente cuando hay música en vivo. So that's really one of our secrets is live music. And we don't charge at the entrance for live music. So people love that you can just grab a glass of wine and enjoy the music, enjoy the show. 
beautiful. Yeah. And the other thing is, I was going to say, this is really important. Pandemic or no pandemic, you can actually negotiate a lease with the proper lawyer, the proper attorney to get rent abatement. That means you get three to six months of free rent. So any renovations that you have to do to the space, you can get a period of the lease where you don't have to pay any rent. And this is really good because also the attorney can negotiate the lease timeline. So you don't have to renew the lease every three years, but maybe every 10 years and so forth and negotiate the price of the rent and things like that. So I think that's a huge secret that people don't know that people should know. Wow. I'm taking a quick second to interrupt your listening to remind you, this show relies on your support to continue to grow. If you get a ton of value, it would mean everything if you can hit the follow button on wherever you listen to, share with a friend, and give us a quick and honest review. Gracias y te mando muchos abrazos. This has been fantastic. I feel like I want to ask you more questions, but I'm afraid that if I continue asking questions, I'm like, we'll go on and on and on. And I'm I'm not interested in opening up a restaurant business, but I find all this fascinating because like I mentioned before, it's such a complex business that for me, I'd be like, I don't know, that's a little too much. But obviously you and your family have done it so successfully and I applaud you for that. And the other thing that I was thinking is because one of the things that in reading about you is that one of the things that you also do, of course, you help people that want to open up restaurants. When it comes to immigrants, because you are an immigrant yourself, do you see any reservations? Like maybe you're talking to a, an immigrant and they're like, I really want to open a restaurant business, but there's something that maybe is limiting them because one, maybe they're a recent immigrant and they're new to the United States, they don't understand the systems. What do you feel are some either hesitations or reservations with immigrants? Yeah, that's a great question. I feel like they might feel like they need to wait or get experience or maybe their status here in the U.S. isn't, you know, what they want it to be. And I, if they still have like a family member who does have everything in place or has been here for some time, I think that they can work that out that way. And I think like language barriers and things like that shouldn't stop them either because I go to restaurants all the time, local restaurants who are operated by immigrants. And you see it's a family affair. You know, you see the mom and the dad and the daughter you know, one is in the kitchen, one is taking orders and things like that, and they're making it work. And it is a dream that is possible. And I know that a lot of immigrants come to this country and like in a year or less, they already have a home that they buy, things like that. And so, you know, there are some things in their life that could limit them, but I know they're such hard workers. Que ellos trabajan tanto que tú lo ves con casa y, y carro y todo eso. I think Sometimes it's just their mindset. They need to believe that, yes, I can do this. I can have 
this business as well. And you are there to help them, yeah, which no. what I really love besides like such a niche concept or a business that you have, not a concept, it's a business. <laughs> it's a full-blown business. What I really love is that, of course, I'm not familiar with the restaurant space, but I would think having access to someone like you is rare. I would think that having a mentor, I don't know, you all did your research. So was there anybody that mentored you or was there a coach? Because I don't think I see business coaches for restaurant business owners. Maybe there are. I don't know. But I feel like what you're doing is rare, which I applaud you doing. Did you go hire someone when you first started out? It doesn't sound like you did. Or was there anybody in existence that does what you do today? No, there wasn't anyone that mentored us or any coach. I do see a lot of marketing coaches or like marketing services for restaurants. If you look for like a restaurant consultant, you'll find, but very, very common. They are like, you know, either white old men or like people who don't even have or operate a restaurant. They're just business people who have this knowledge of business and marketing who want to come and sell to you. You know, I get these offers all the time. Like once people know we own three restaurants, they want to offer this and that and this and that. But we've done everything organically. We have never paid for ads, for marketing. We have a local person. She's our cousin. She's a mujer Latina who goes out to our restaurants and our Manually, she'll take pictures and she'll promote our events and our live music. And I, we've been in airplanes going to the Dominican Republic and we hear total strangers talking about Ting Marin, which is, a <laughs> they're like, oh my God, I love Ting Marin, this and that. And, you know, my mom was the one who was on the airplane. She was laughing because little did they know that their owner was right there <laughs> listening to that. That is so beautiful. Oh my goodness. I have really enjoyed talking to you, Joanne. And again, I applaud you for your work, for your leadership, for you not just being a restaurant owner, but making the decision. I am going to help those that want to be in the restaurant business. And I agree. Like when I think of, like I said, I never have heard of a coach specifically for people that want to create or open up a restaurant. And when I think about consultants, yeah, it makes sense. They would be more about marketing. So I really applaud you for what you do. And please tell me, what is your mom's name? I'm curious. Kenya. Kenya? Kenya Castillo. Señora Kenya, saludos y bien hecho por todo. Bueno, te felicito de nuevo, Joanny, and your family as well. You've done such a fabulous job. I am looking forward, hopefully, in the near future, being in New York City to go into one of your restaurants. And again, I'm just in awe of what you all have done and the help that you're providing others. So I applaud you. And thank you so much for being here. Thank you. Thank you, Jen. Que inspiración. I hope that you enjoyed this conversation because I know I sure did. I learned a lot and it was really motivating here. Someone like Joanne, by the way, go ahead and connect with her. I'll leave the link in the show notes, but basically it's campsite 
bio forward slash Joanny Perez. I'm not going to spell all that because it takes time, but just go to the link in the show notes and you will find her there. I definitely encourage you to connect with her. Today's Reina of the Week is Jocelyn. She's part of our membership program and she is just a hundred percent, a thousand percent, no matter the day, no matter what's going on in her life, no matter what, she's pure positivity. She inputs, she shares inspiring things, and she doesn't let anything that's going around her down, which is just amazing. So I just want to highlight her, Jocelyn. Again, she's one of our members in our program and just share her magic. Like she is amazing with her positivity. And again, of course, it's not all roses in her life 24 seven, like for you and me. And I really appreciate her energy that she brings. I wanted to remind you that If you have questions about money, about managing money, about debt, about anything related that really has you stuck in regards to money, ask me those questions. I will answer them on this podcast. And if for some reason I don't know the answer, because let me tell you, I don't know the answer to everything, I will find the answer for you and I can create a full episode on the particular topic, your particular question, depending on what it is. You can do that if you have those type of questions. I don't want you to be shy. All questions are good questions. Don't feel like you are going to ask a dumb question because all questions are good questions. And chances are, if you don't ask that question because you're afraid, there's someone else that's wanting to ask that same question and they're afraid and therefore no one's getting the answer. So go ahead and ask those questions all questions are welcome at jenhemphill.com forward slash ask Jen. Again, that is jenhemphill.com forward slash ask Jen. That link is in the show notes. And what happens when you go there, it'll prompt you to either leave me a quick audio message, which I will play on the podcast, or you can send me an email, whichever works for you, whatever makes most sense for you and which you're most comfortable with. Next week, we will meet Taylor Tiemann, who is una abogada. She's a lawyer who helps Latinx business owners protect their businesses, which is super important, with her accessible services. The key word here is accessible because we think lawyers, super expensive, which they definitely can be, but she has created a business model that makes her more accessible. Bueno, pues, that is everything. Thank you for taking time out of your busy schedule to tune into this show. I appreciate the support. You can check out the show notes at jenhemphill.com forward slash 279. That is jenhemphill.com forward slash 279. Remember that being the reina of your money starts now simply by claiming it. I believe in you and so should you. Nos hablaremos el próximo jueves. Chao.